Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. If this is the first time joining in, welcome to the show. For those of you that return, thank you for your continued support. Wow. That's all I'm going to say. Every now and again, certain situations happen where you don't know what you're getting yourself into. You just, um, you just keep trucking along. You keep trucking along. And every now and again, a little gem lands in your waist, in your, in your lap, in your waist, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere on your body. And uh, that's how this evolved for me. I had an introduction with our next guest, whose name is Michael Harris. And as I was email conversing with him and setting up the date, and we met via a platform where, um, you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who he was. I had no idea. So I just liked his vibe when he reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, let's, would you be open to having me on your show? And I said, all right, let's do it. You know, you're into yoga. Let's go. All right, cool. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> Honestly. And then right before I hit the record button, when I called him up, he says, I, do you remember me? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> he said 2002. And I'm like, 2002. Well, that how? And then it just like little by little, I started piece together. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And then, yes, I do know who you are. And oh, man, I'm so excited. I can't believe I'm having a chance to talk to you. He played a really important role in my yoga experience. And I was taking Michael's class out in California back in 2001 at um, Bikram Yoga teacher trainings where I first met him. And so, you know, I just love how the universe works this way. So you're going to hear me say this again during the conversation, um, but I just have to let you know, like, you know, how excited I am for this one for you to hear this because the serendipity is just phenomenal. So, all right, let's go ahead and begin. I'm so excited today to have Michael Harris joining me on the podcast. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing really wonderful. I, I, I live in Central Oregon, and it's another beautiful day in the neighborhood, as they say. Oh, I, you know, I've only been to Oregon once. I went to Eugene, Oregon to see the Grateful Dead play back in 1992. And wow, we might have been there because I was. Um, no, it was even earlier than that when I went there. Yeah, when they played in Eugene. Wow, what an experience! I mean, <laughs> I yeah. you know just just West Coast vibe. You know, coming from Florida, I was blown away. Eugene is such a beautiful town. Where I'm sorry, where again in Oregon are you? I'm in a town called Bend, Oregon. I Bend. live at 3,800 feet. We're high desert. It's up against the east slope of the Cascade. Beautiful. I've heard so many great things about Bend, and I know it's a very it's a very different environment than Eugene. Am I right? Oh, to totally. Eugene on on the west side of the Cascades in the valley is all rainy all the time. 
we're on the east side of the, the Cascades where it's dry. Yes. You know, it's desert. It's high desert. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, just so the listeners are aware, you you gave me the best surprise ever because um, we had uh, scheduled to do this podcast quite a while ago. I know we we've been wor- we worked really hard at at finding a date <laughs> that we could both <laughs> make this work. And um, just prior to me hitting the record button, Michael, you reminded me that you and I had met. Uh, in California at Bikram Yoga teacher training. And you were one of the teachers that were holding down, um, helping teach some of the classes at, at his training. And, and I didn't even know that that was you when we were scheduling this appointment. So now the <laughs> fact that I'm, I'm getting a chance to speak with you because I remember you very clearly. I loved your classes I felt well, like you. I felt like you were a little bit. You were not more than you were more than a little bit. You were a grounding force in a really wild world, you know. <laughs> and I don't know yeah. to what level I, I have. You know, I'm just now getting a chance to pick your brain and find out where you are at with Bikram Yoga and what you're doing now. So on that note, can you just start telling me and filling me in uh, on your journey? And uh, I guess I'll be a little more specific. Um, Let's go way, way back. And can you tell me the first time you started practicing yoga or the first yoga class you ever got a chance to take? Absolutely. You know, the first time that I took a yoga class was 1988. Yes. Um, or excuse me, 87, 1987. See, I, I had vascular surgery in November of 1986. I had blocked arteries, and the doctors at the time suggested that they may need to amputate my leg, and I was pretty blunt to them in saying that that wasn't going to happen. And I ended up at a place called Pritikin Longevity Center, which is in Santa Monica, uh, it's no, no longer there, that Ocean and Pico right down on the boardwalk, pretty close to the Santa Monica Pier. And when I first got there, I was walking on a cane. I could walk literally about, about 10 feet, cane in one hand, my other hand on the wall. Wow. So I could barely, I could barely walk. And to make kind of a long story much shorter, the doctors that I was seeing in Portland for my vascular disease suggested that when it hurts is not to move my body mm. well and not to walk and the doctor at the pretty center said when it hurts keep walking mm. and in hindsight it was a huge spiritual wake-up call to me it's, it's one of a number that I can identify over the years with that particular one, he says, get up and walk and walk through the pain. Mm. He says, I just want you to go out there on the boardwalk and start walking. And initially, I was pretty scared of doing that. It's just like, what yeah. do you mean? This yeah. is going to hurt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he said, yes, it's going to hurt. And he says, just keep doing what you can do. Well, here I am, you know. 1987, it was actually March of 1987, 
there was a lot of women on rollerblades going up and down the boardwalk. <laughs> yeah. And here I am, I'm, I'm a sick man. And I don't want to be a sick man. I want to feel strong and healthy. Right? And I had already had a lot of self-esteem issues and, and everything else that I struggled with. And so I wanted to walk tall. So within two weeks, Todd, I went from walking 10 feet to two miles. Wow. Unassisted, without my cane, without a wall. Wow. And the, the sheer process of moving my body, of walking, going one foot in front of the, the neck, helped to build new blood vessels in my legs, collateral blood vessels. Wow. So as those new vessels were being built, in addition to that, the popliteal arteries where the primary blockages were, um, began to heal as well. So the, not only was I getting the collaterals, I was also getting the popliteal artery was beginning to heal. So answering your question about the first yoga class, the first yoga class was at the Pritikin Longevity Center. Mm. Now, granted, it wasn't a very vigorous class. It was, you know, mostly for people in rehabilitation of some sort. Um, it was really known more for weight loss, although I wasn't heavy. I've never really been heavy in my life. So losing weight was not an issue. They actually wanted me to gain weight, but there's also a plant-based facility, Pritikin Longevity Center. So they said I could eat as much food as I wanted. Yeah. So I was walking. I started doing some yoga classes in the basement, and I was eating all the plant-based food I could possibly eat. Okay. Nice. Yeah, it, it was good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, please. Ahead. Well, that's incredible because, um, you know, that's a really great story in terms of, you know, obviously endurance and overcoming. And like you said, that fear of what do you mean walk more? You know, I'm, I'm struggling going 10 feet. And that whole transformation process of, of pushing through that. And, and so I'm curious from taking yoga in the Pritikin environment there, what was your next step in relation to seeking other types of yoga or what was the evolution? How did it evolve from here? Yep. Uh, well, I, I was living at Portland at the time. So I was just down there for, um, the Pritikin center. And when I went back to Portland, I started going to a yoga class at the gym, you know, cause I was doing the gym. I was, um, doing the treadmill. When I first started doing the treadmill, actually at the pretty center, I was going 0.3 miles an hour. Mm. So it's as slow as the treadmill would move. That's mm. how slow it's going. Yeah. And I was struggling, yeah. but I did more at the gym and I was also walking in a park near my house as much as I could, but they had a yoga class there. And, um, I would not call it, called gym yoga as you know uh, however you want to perceive that to be but um it was a wonderful class and at the end they did candle gazing and, um i really liked it like downward dog i would fall out of it i could, couldn't do much but it led me to another general hatha yoga class uh diane wilson which taught in portland for years and i started taking her class and I'm kind of jumping here ahead a little bit. I started doing Ashtanga 
Nice. And I, yeah, I, I saw a flyer for yoga for skiers, and I hadn't skied for years because my condition, and I wanted to get back to skiing. And somebody named Beryl Bender Birch was in Portland. Oh, wow. Coming to teach, and I thought, well, I'm going to go to this thing and see if I can't start skiing again. Well, you know, I had what some people would call perhaps a Kundalini experience and feeling the sensations in my body, <laughs> my spine, and my tears, and just like opening up, you know, through this process. And dived into Ashtanga, did a lot of stuff with David Swenson and Yay. a guy named Clifford Sweet. Um, a lot of people don't know who he was, but he was one of the really early people, uh, Nancy Gilgoff. Yeah. Um, spent a lot of time with her over in Maui. Isn't her, so I, I was, go ahead. Isn't her place amazing when you got to look for like the tomato sign when you're driving up country <laughs> in Maui and everyone tells you like, look for the tomato farm sign and then pull, you'll find the house of Zen, right? Is it called house of yoga yeah. and Zen or house of Zen? Yeah. And what a great little setup, that little wooden barn kind of yoga studio structure on that farm. Wow. Yep. Studying with Nancy yep. is like a real treat. That's amazing. That's cool, Michael. And I love David and I've never got a chance to practice with Beryl Bindle Birch, but she's a bit of a legend in the Ashtanga Vinyasa world as well. Yeah. And a, a little bit more synchronicity with um, Nancy. I, I I don't like staying in motels or hotels, so I was looking for a place to stay, an apartment, a house, something to rent. And I rented this place, and, you know, this guy named Gary, and I called him, and I said, oh, do you know um, Nancy? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah. But that was about it. didn't say much. Well, when I got there, and I, was, I rented the... Uh, apartment in his basement do you know who gary Krafti is yeah he's the uh isn't he in like therapeutic yoga and or made it really popular in the um like uh what well, i do know who he is i can't think exactly Vin, Vinny, Vinny Vinny yoga. yoga. thank you thank yeah. you and his primary teacher is really Jesse Guitar. yes um and i had no idea when i rented this place who it was so here i am staying at Gary Kraftsaw's house and also studying with Nancy. Wow. So this is the early 90s and it's just like, you know, I mean, totally immersed. That's That's right. When I I, I lived on Maui for a year and I I remember seeing that he had a center kind of upcountry area when I started looking into yoga then and and, uh, I never went. And, but wasn't it associated with like a bodywork studio? I'm sure there's tons of bodywork studios in that area, but all right, never mind. That's, that's really cool, man. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah you're staying with Gary. You're getting your butt kicked with Nancy and in a good way, butt kicked, but you know, just, you know, the Ashtanga yeah. style. So yeah. at, at this point, I'm thinking you've made a pretty radical transformation from holding onto the wall, walking 10 steps. If you're hanging out with these guys, what, what, what sort of, if you're to give an analysis of like what, to what level are you, you know, when I say back to normal, I mean, just like to where you can, you know, you're not thinking about worrying about walking from A to B or doing your daily tasks. Where are you at at this phase? Well, a a lot of 
my healing had happened, I was still, oh, I would say on a pain scale of one to 10, you know, I was still feeling some one, twos, maybe some threes from time to time. Mm. So kind of lower level pain, but thinking that I would probably have to live with the pain my whole life. Yeah. And that's what I was, and I just, you know, just accepted that that was going to be like that. Yeah. That I was going to have these, these pain times and for my whole life. Well, um, I can jump ahead a little bit. I, there was a Bikram studio that opened in 1993 in Portland. Mm. And I went there and I thought, man, this is hot. This is sweaty. This is stupid. You know, <laughs> that was you know it's just like, this isn't yoga. I'm an Ashtanga yoga guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was my thought at the time, you know. And, you know, I would go and then I, you know, I was doing mostly still the Ashtanga and, um, I started developing a shoulder injury in my left shoulder and I went to a sports medicine clinic and they wanted to do some surgery in my shoulder. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I attributed to, you know, jump bruise and chaturangas and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I went to the Bikram class for 30 days in a row and my shoulder injury went away. Mm. You know, there, there's different intensities in each practice. So with the Bikram practice, there's not a lot of, well, there's no downward dogs. And there, there's not a lot of direct shoulder pressure and a lot of weight on your shoulders. So you could talk about Cobra or something, but there's it's not even comparable in a way. So I kept doing... Ashtanga and I go to Bikram and Ashtanga and a Bikram and I was making a, lo- a lo- lot of money doing some option trading. Decided to take a couple of years off in the mid nineties, and I wanted to study with what I considered to be a bona fide yoga master, right? Yeah. But I wanted to stay in the states. I didn't want to go to India at the time. And I looked around and I, some of the Ashtanga teachers and some of the Iyengar teachers and who was out there but kept leaning towards Bikram and found myself writing the check for $4,000. This was in 1998. And um, headed down to L.A. to study with this crazy Bikram guy, right? Yes. <laughs> wow. Todd, Todd, I know this is going to shock you, but Bikram really pissed me off, right? That's really going to shock know? me <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yeah, that's really going to shock me that he pissed you off. Uh, oh, my gosh. I, I mean, I can't even wait to start getting in on some of these stories. But so. So, yes, please tell me. Tell me the tell me your experience. So so I jump in and, you know, I'm headed to this training thinking that this yoga master dude is going to do the final healing on me and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All my pain's gonna go away. So I go in and you know tell them a little bit about what's going on, and then we're in what's called posture clinic one day, and we were doing standing head to knee. And when I was standing on my left leg, I would get excruciating pain. That's where most of my pain would come from—is mm-hmm. my left leg. Yeah. Um, 
And so I was standing there and in posture clinic, and I said, how do I modify so it doesn't hurt? And Bikram being Bikram said, no modification. No modification allowed in yoga. And I went, what? Huh? Yeah. You know, and yep. he's sitting there getting his hair combed by two beautiful uh, women, right? Yes. Absolutely. And I'm that, thinking, yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this isn't right. And I got in an argument with him after that, after, and I wanted my money back. And, you know, Bikram said, I just bought a new Rolls Royce. <laughs> It's not funny, but I can't, I, I can't yeah. help but laugh because having gone through the training with him and, and, and listened to him do the same spiel of like, you know, and watching people getting so angry and so upset and saying, I want my money back and him saying, I've already spent your money. I got the biggest yeah. house in Beverly Hills, biggest swimming pool. I don't know how to swim in, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> Dude, you're being so rude. I mean, you're just rubbing it in our faces that you took all this money from us and you're just like so crazy about it. But I, I, I do want to hear more about like how that transitioned for you or if it has or hasn't. What, what Keep going, please. <laughs> well, and I mentioned this in, in one of the emails too about, I think you asked the question, what is your biggest lesson in yoga? Yeah. And, you know, in addition to, you know, no modification, you know, Bikram said, don't worry about it, forget about it, just do the yoga. Mm. And I didn't necessarily totally get that at the moment. That's why I was a little like pissed off. What do you mean, don't worry about it? Like, that's yeah. you, dude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So for the, for the next 10 days or so, I was in the back of the room most of the time during class. And then, one day, I'm in the middle of, of the studio during class, and I'm standing on my left leg, and there's no pain. Mm. And I go all the way into the full part of the posture with your head and your knee, and there's no pain. And I have tears, Todd, running down my face, or yeah. including with the yeah. sweat. But yeah. um, the tears coming down, just feeling this incredible relief. And that's when I began to listen to really what Bikram was saying. Not not all, you know, the other stuff, but yeah. what he was yeah. really saying. Because, yeah. I mean, in his essence, Bikram is an incredible yoga master, regardless of all the other craziness that have happened. Yeah. Um, he taught me so much about my life and about healing and about yoga. I mean, he's not my only yoga teacher, but he was one that really created shifts in my life. Yeah. He helped me do that. Yeah. In in so many ways. Um and again I'll, I'll gloss over this a, a, a little bit just for sake of time. Um by fall of nineteen ninety eight I was the first person other than Bikram to teach um the workshop in teacher training. So I started teaching those and really for the next 30 trainings, I was either leading or teaching all the trainings. I opened a studio in Portland in 99. Um, it was probably the 25th sequence studio in the world, something like that. One of the early ones I opened up the studio in Bend, Oregon in 04. I ended up 
selling it to one of my teachers and then COVID happened and she closed it. Somebody else bought it. Now it's called Bend Hot Yoga. I still teach. I'm teaching tonight. I teach six to 10 classes. Nice. Um, nice. A month right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I can't help, but, and I hope you don't mind me asking these questions and I, you know, if, if you prefer not to answer, I totally understand. Um, but I'm, you know, really curious. Well, I got a chance to meet you in, uh, 2001 and, and then Tamara was at Bikram's training in 2002 and I went out to visit Mm -hmm. when she was there and you were there as well. So I, I got to take your class um, quite a, well, quite a few times. Cause you're right. You were holding down teaching in the training. I mean, just to paint the picture for those listening, I, I know there's, uh, well, I don't know how much people know. So long story short, I mean, that room was hotter than anything I'd ever experienced in my life. And there, you know, you put 300 people plus 300 plus people, mat to mat, wall to wall, side to side, front to back, um, in that sort of heat. I mean, it's, it's an experience that, I mean, it's hard to explain because it was just absolutely grueling. I mean, and you hear people that are saying like, well, I've been through, you know, boot camp. I've been through, you know, all these different army and Navy and Marine training. And this is even harder. I've never experienced anything this hard in my life. And, you know, and you're in it going, well, yeah, I think I'm going to die. You know, I mean, it was, it was brutal. And you get there at like whatever time in the morning, eight or nine in the morning, and you're there until sometimes midnight or later sitting on that concrete floor and doing two classes a day. Um, so it was personally one of the most challenging experiences and and again, one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had. And it got me completely fired up to do yoga and teach. And and I owe a lot to that intensity that he was able to cultivate for, I think, today, me being as excited, still excited, and even more excited about yoga than I was back then. At the same time, when I would watch, you know, him laying on girls' laps and, you know, them combing his hair and, you know, there was a lot of like really kind of aggressive statements he would make toward women that really caused me to go, ooh, this guy is just a little too intense for me. And when we had our, and we, we ran the yoga studio in Mira Mesa in San Diego, um, from 2003 to 2006. And, you know, I drive up to LA every week and take the advanced class with Bikram and Rajasri. And at that time, Jason was from Laguna was there and you were there, you would be coming and visiting and Juan was there practicing and, I mean, that was an incredible, and, and Emmy Cleaves, I mean, there was such an amazing vibe. But then as I started to watch more and more, I was like, I got this feeling of like, man, this guy's going to go down and I'm going to have his name on my sign and I'm going to be representing and then it's going to, I'm going to look like I'm a part of that. And, and at that point, that's what caused Tamara and I to sell and come back here to Florida. And, and we've been in this location here at Native Yoga Center for the last 16 years, but I guess Wonderful. I, I guess yeah. I say all that because I just want to know where you're at with your reconciliation of the allegations about, you know, the charges of rape against Bikram and him being, you know, a warrant for his arrest, you know, and, and that type of thing. What, how, where are you at with all that? 
that could be a whole nother show. So let me see if I can. It could be another show and I'm willing to make it yeah. another show. And, and, and I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you expected me to fire those kind of questions at you because I don't, again, I, I want to no, be respectful. I'm, I'm really I want to be respectful of, of the, yeah. of your, where you're at with it. I'm not looking to push buttons and create yeah. a bunch of drama. No, just, I'm, I'm said I'm okay with it, with talking about anything, including this. Okay. Um, you know, there is no doubt that some of what happened around all of that was, um, it was painful. It was like a lot of questioning, like, what is this about? Why is this happening? You know, and, and I was around Bikram quite a bit, and I never, I mean, Bikram was some of his language um, wasn't always comfortable when he was talking about men or women. Mm, good point. And I never directly saw any of um, what came about later. Mm. I knew most of the women that were involved in some type of civil legal type action. There is a criminal investigation of which nothing came out of it. Mm. Um, as far as I know, Bikram never had a warrant for his arrest, but he was, um, he lost a civil lawsuit that he did not pay. So he would need to question for that, but it wasn't for criminal charges. Oh, it was all right. the failure to pay on the, the civil litigation that occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I mean, I haven't talked to Bikram in a decade, but um, so I don't know what's going on with it today. Yeah. I, in, in Bikram and I, certainly, in addition to what I told you that happened in training, there was another situation that occurred that was extremely uncomfortable and had to do with all the, one of the renditions of the franchise um, that was coming about and um, he felt like I was responsible for the franchise not working out and um, which you know it wasn't going to work out because it wasn't going to work out yeah yeah not your fault that's right (laughs) I mean I don't even know that situation but I'm just pretty darn certain that was not your fault (laughs) yeah (laughs) just based on I will yeah yeah I I will say Again, I mean, B- Bikram showed me how to save my ass. Mm. And he changed my life in, in so many ways. Yep. And, you know, I mentioned to this to you before, too. I'm 33 years sober. Mm-hmm. And prior to getting sober, I was a wild and crazy guy. And, you know, what comes with drinking and using and all of that is oftentimes you know, I would do things that would horrify me today yeah. that I did that. I mean, it's yeah. like, who is that person? It seems like yeah. a different person because yeah. it was. Yeah. So those actions that I used to take prior to getting sober were not pretty. Yeah. And so I look at somebody like Bikram who may be doing some things that appear to be um, not pretty, I'll call it. And I go, okay, what is he going through? What is his karma? What is his lesson here? What does he need to do? Why is this happening? 
Yeah. What about everybody else involved? It's a huge rabbit hole. But I really respect that. I think that's a an important point to bring up that all of us, if we look back on our past, surely there's a few things that we're not really proud of. Absolutely. But we, if we've learned from it and we are dedicated to evolving and listening and, you know, being open to communicating and then I think there's space for forgiveness there. Um, Absolutely. So I, do you um, know Amrit Desai? I, I, did I meet Amrit? I, I remember seeing, I remember seeing Bikram and Amrit and Deepak Chopra all hanging out together, buddy, buddy. And I did not meet Amrit Desai, but I'm aware of Amrit's engagement in the community um, prior to, oh, help me out with the name of, in Massachusetts, it's um, Kripalu. Kripalu, yeah. And he was the originator of Kripalu. And interestingly enough, Amrit Desai opened up a yoga studio or center somewhere here in like central Florida, kind of. Yeah. Somewhere uh-huh. out, somewhere out. And I haven't been to it. And, um, but please tell me what your thoughts were regarding Amrit. Well, I, I, I know Amrit and um, he's, stayed in my home and um, he's, a, he's actually a very wonderful man but you know when he left you the board uh, said you have to leave because primarily and he'll talk about this but I'm not saying anything out, out of place here he was talking about celibacy and such and marriage and commitment and all sorts of things like that well, at the same time, was having a number of relationships with about 10 or 12 different women. Yes. And it caused a lot of problems, <laughs> you know, and there's yep. still people that, that I know that have a lot of difficulties with it. Yeah. Um, and understandable, you know, and Amra, he'll talk about it very openly, and we've talked about it, and he said, for him, he says it was one of the biggest lessons that he felt his guru gave him. Mm. And that he needed to move through that, you know, and that contradiction within his soul to be able to make the changes that he needed to do to reconnect with his relationship to the universe and the energy of whatever yes. somebody wants to call yes. it. That makes sense. Don't you? I mean, yeah. that makes sense to me that we got to go through these challenges and and then realize, ooh, that fire is really hot. Or you yeah. know, good point, yeah. Michael. And, good point. And I'll say one other thing about the big crumbs right now, because um, there's a very positive side to all of how all that unfolded and fell apart and and everything else. One of the things that was very strong within the, the Bikram community for many years was this uh, strong devotion to Bikram, yeah. I'll call it. Yeah. You know, people yeah. wanting to not upset the master and, and all of this. And as a result of it breaking down, and I hear it a little bit in, in what, you know, your story from going to California, Florida, and all that. I think it internally caused a lot of people to reflect on who they were mm. and who they are and how they can best serve the world based on their relationship to spirit and everything else and not based on 
a guru's relationship to what the guru thinks you need to do. So, you know, all these centers opened up. You you went from Miramisa to Florida, and you've unfolded into this great studio and this great way of teaching. And I can give example, example, example. Somebody would say, well, what is true for me? What is right for me? Do I want to keep teaching yoga with this name, with this studio, with this style? Do I want to, you know, be a TV star? Do I want to do something else? So it caused that motion within different people to see what was true for them. You know, and I did the same thing, you know, and like even the franchise stuff and and all that. I mean, we had signed franchise agreements and master agreements. And I had told my brother, which was a franchise expert, you know, I said, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to go hike in the mountains, write a book and coach people. Well, Mm. guess what I started doing? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so it's like, I think it made the, the the yes. community, so to speak, even yes. though it fractured some, stronger yes. on the individual level. Does that make sense? Well, that's beautifully said. I love that you brought that up because um, that was that's just so poignant. And yes, and I think that the fact that you're bringing to light that in all darkness there is light you know, like out of a, out of what seems like the dark night of the soul, you know, like that questioning process of like, and I loved how you even kind of mapped out, do I even want to teach yoga anymore? Do I even want to teach yoga under this umbrella anymore? Do I even want to practice anymore? What am I even doing? Like why, what is my motivation? And I think that you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And you know, what's interesting is, you know, uh, after, while, while we were holding down the Ashtanga studio, Tamara and I traveled to Mysore and started practicing with Patabi Joyce and had a really mm-hmm. wonderful experience in India with him. And in the past few years, there's been, you know, there are out, there are similar allegations. They're different to Bikram in their own way, but similar right. in that there's people that, that are hurt, you know? And so, um, and I had that again, dark night of the soul of like, what keeps happening to me? I keep going from guru to guru and each guru keeps ending up being not as perfect as I wanted them to be. And, and kind of like, you know, like when you said you first went into the Bikram class, you thought, he's just going to heal me. I'm going to like, you know, all my pain will be <laughs> absolved and <laughs> I'm just going to like, this is going to just be it. And then it was like the total opposite experience in some ways. Right. And experiencing yeah. that, that sort of ex- interaction. And so, I, I just love the fact that you're spinning it down the direction of look how many, look how much good stuff is coming out of this though. in that process of in introspection and really looking at it and being willing to ask these questions. So I really appreciate that. So yes, I do. Underst- you, I do understand what you're saying. Thank you. Yeah. Todd, I, I really think that's what yoga is. It's not about the perfect bow or the, you know, perfect head to knee or perfect chaturangas or anything else. It's, you know, connecting ourselves, connecting ourselves and recognizing our relationship to the universe. We don't need to do a posture. I mean, like you, you, you mentioned Deepak, Amra and Bikram, you know, I set up the three masters workshop on the big Island, uh, um, 
Corcoran Manolani when, mm. when that was going on. Mm. And so I would I would sit in the steam room with the three of them, or the four of us, again, Bikram, Deepak, and Amrit, talking about yoga and, and all of this. And, you know, Amrit basically saying, you know, well, was there one posture or four postures to start? You know, so this big discussion ensued about that. There's a discussion about whether downward dog was really a posture. I, I've got an old Indian yoga book that says downward dog is strictly prohibited by the yoga authority. You know? <laughs> yes, and, yes. You know, just having this, like, yeah. and I look back at that, those times, Todd, and I'm just thinking, wow, I really was doing all of that and just seeing that. And, you know, you, you look at Deepak, Amrit, and Bikram, and they've all had challenges with colleagues and women, you yeah, know, all of yeah, that stuff. Yeah. All of them have. Yeah. John Friend. And, I mean, it's oh, yeah. part and parcel. And I'm thinking, shit, I missed out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it, it I don't, I don't, I mean that jokingly. I know, but, I know. You know, it's just like, wow, okay. Well, the, did I really miss all that? Did I really yeah. not see that? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's a good, that's a, that's a, that's something worth pondering right there. Yeah. So, Yeah. Again, I know, man. I know. Yeah. I, I just going to mention that big lesson again. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just do the yoga. Yeah. And I guess that while while you're speaking, though, I, I gotta. I have. Well, there's two things I definitely want to hit upon before um, we close. But we got. We still have some time, so I'm not worried about that right now. But I really want to hear about your book. So I'm going to come back to that okay. in just a moment. Um, in relation to one of the questions that you had originally when studying with Bikram was that, you know, you asked, you asked, how can I modify? The answer was you don't modify, you do it. You, you just push on it and go. Right. And so, you know, and obviously this has been since, you know, 20 years since you and I've met and, um, our bodies are changing. They've changed. They're different. They're unique. They're maybe they're better. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. And, um, and yeah. so I'm curious, like in terms of the modification, I've, I've really been kind of leaning in the direction of loving teaching gentle yoga, loving giving people props and, and just kind of like taking it similarly that like, you know, um, just come in and just move and just breathe. And even if you have to lay down the whole time, just make it in the door or if they're signing up online, sign up online and be at home and use your, you know, use that platform and, yep. and opening up to, wow, if you have some back pain, because I remember in camel pose, uh, Bikram just being like, and push and push and push and push, push and push. And so I was pushing, but I wasn't, I was just letting my knees flare apart. I was jamming all this pressure into my low back and around my sacrum. And, and then a little later on, someone gave me the advice, well, here, try to draw your knees in, do a little adduction, a little internal rotation of the thighs. And, and mm -hmm. then my back started feeling better because I wasn't 
I was recruiting musculature from another area in the body to get stronger that I was going weekend and dumping it on my back. So my question for you is, how do you work with this balance between push and push and, hey, wait, let's modify? Yeah. Um, One of the ways that I teach is a reminder to anybody within their practice to do what you can according to your ability at any given moment in any given time. Mm-hmm. There's different levels to that. There's the physical level of what that is and what you can do and what you're not able to do at the time. And the mental, emotional, spiritual level of what you're able to do at the time. Mm. I think that there are different practices that involve um, deeper modifications, blocks, straps, all those different things, pillows, and all of that, and I think that's great. And within the the Bikram, you know, I learned it in that particular way. And you know, within the Bikram practice, you know, my primary thing is normal breathing. Most people and most teachers understand normal breathing in the sense of the Bikram yoga, but it's breathing like we are breathing right now is normal breathing. Yeah. 80-20 breathing, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just, we're breathing normal right now. So can you maintain a posture or can you go into whatever posture that you're performing at the time and maintaining your breath just like we are now? physical mm-hmm. sensations, emotional sensations, your knee, your argument with your partner yesterday, the person that cut you off in traffic, whatever it might be. Can we, in our practice, just remain calm, be an observer, and not react? And it's my experience within this type of practice, within the Bikram practice, that when you do that, that doing what you can according to your ability in any given moment, any given time, you may go to a certain point and that's it. You might be able to go further, but that's all you can go right now yeah. because of your shoulder, because of your mind, because of your knee, because of your spirit, whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, because it's all like this big, wonderful soup. It's like a flock of thousands of birds that are flying in the air and swooping <laughs> in all these different directions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what it, what it's like. Yeah. And, you know, I come to feel that, and this may sound crazy to, to some of the listeners, that the Bikram practice is one of the most gentle practices out there. Mm, I mean, the whole practice. It's true, though. The whole, yeah. The whole floor series is Savasana. Yeah. We're 14 to 16 minutes of Savasana. Yeah. That's so true. I know there's this, I mean, without a doubt, there's brilliance in that sequence, in the sequence. I mean, there's no doubt Mm -hmm. from a healing perspective and cool. Well, great answer. I love that perspective. And I love, I I love the visual of the birds because I love watching huge flocks of birds and the way they make those patterns and shapes. And, and then the thought of like how my, like you said, like the, the mental, the emotional, the physical, the, 
spirit that all these different elements are just swirling like that in a way. <laughs> you know? So that was a great, that's a great visual. I love that. The other visual that's similar to that is the school of fish. And, you know, they got, you know, you can have all these fish schooling and going around and there's a shark swimming through them and trying to eat them, but they're able to turn their bodies and not getting eaten. So they're getting constantly challenged as they're moving through the water. Yeah. You know, and Good it's point. nature. It, it's the yeah. way that we, our bodies are designed in the same way. I, I'm just, my experience is that it ebbs and it flows and it swoops and it dives and does all these things. I agree. I love that one too. Thank you for keeping it in the natural realm. I'm yeah. really, I'm really excited, Michael, to hear about your book. I, I, um, sorry, I have my notes here, so I make sure I stay on, on cue. But falling down, getting up. <laughs> Can you tell me a couple things I would like to know first? Like uh, you mentioned that your one of your dreams was, and then you've achieved it to go and write your book and can you tell me a little bit a what's it about and b your process you know how did you sure. how did you go about this well i'll say first the book was in my mind for about 12 years or something like that you know thinking about it, i'm gonna write this book i'm gonna write this book finally i made a commitment to write the book within 90 days and it took 79 days to write it nice um and I would often go to Starbucks or some local coffee shop and sit there for two hours. I'd go for two hours every single day. I was a guy in the corner in this laptop typing. That was me. Yeah. And I, the book was done and it was edited. I showed up in New York for a media event. It wasn't about me, but it was a media event that I was interested in. Started talking to some guy standing next to me. I had no idea who he was. It was on a Friday, and he said, I want to publish your book, as I was telling him about my book. And I said, well, who are you? He says, well, I publish books. I said, okay. So by the following Wednesday, we had a publishing agreement in place. I'd never submitted a um, manuscript to any publisher. I was thinking that I was going to have to do it 50 times, you know, get it rejected, rejected, rejected. Nice. And wow. It got, it's just like, it just unfolded like that, right? Yeah. The, the story of the book, and this is, I think, important. I, I, I want, you know, like all the listeners to really hear this is, you know, in today's world, there's so much going on and there's so much energy within our atmosphere. With all sorts of different things going on, whether it's wars, whether it's floods, whether it's political arguments, whether it's disagreements with friends and family. I mean, on and on and on. And there's all this swirling energy. And since the beginning of time, man has healed from passing stories, from passing wisdom verbally. That's how we learn yoga primarily is through that verbal instruction, and then experiencing it within our own being. And I think that the power of stories right now is so vital. And we need to get our stories out there. So like what you're doing, Todd, is huge, having this podcast, having all these different people coming in, talking about their stories, what they did, how they healed, how other people can heal. And so there's places in the world that 
don't have the ability to tell stories. They'll go to jail if they do. So I feel like it's our responsibility to maintain that passing of the true wisdom of healing, of connecting, of interacting, of bringing spirit into our lives and recognizing that the spirit is there. And so, again, I mean, I get really passionate about that. You know, I've almost got tears in my eyes because I just think stories are vital. And our bodies tell our story. We go into a yoga posture. We can tell a story, you know, right there from that particular posture. Good point. So I was briefly about the book. <laughs> um, you know, friends had told me, oh, I should write this book. It's a miracle, you know. And, um, you know, I also had a water skiing accident when I was a child and had 6% of my liver removed, gallbladder, cracked ribs, collapsed lungs. And I slid into a coma for 10 days. Wow. And as I was coming out, I had a near-death experience, and I didn't want to come back. I didn't want to come back to my body. I wanted to stay where I was. And as I was reaching out, they told me that my time wasn't done yet. I needed to go back. And um, I, I came back, and I came out of my coma and I, I woke up. So wow. that's really kind of the beginning of the wow. book. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people that have near death type experiences will, will come back. Anita Marjani, which had cancer and her cancer completely went away and had a near death experience and came back and had this enlightening experience. I suppose I did too, but my enlightening experience manifested itself in anger and frustration and addiction. Mm. You know, I was mad at the universe. I was mad at God. You know, it's just like, how could you send me back here? You know, and my self-esteem, you know, just suffered, you know, just sucked, you know, and, um, you know, as, as, as I evolved and had my other surgeries with my vascular and started doing yoga, everything moved and shifted, you know, and I healed. And here I am. I mean, it's been 51 years since my water skiing accident that I wasn't supposed to survive. Yes. It's been 35 years since my vascular surgery, since I wasn't supposed to survive. Yes. And I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. So apparently I'm not done yet, you know? <laughs> right? Yes. I think that is, that's a reasonable assumption. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the stories about that the journey of, you know, I'd actually just, I, it was 1971. I, I won the junior championship of Portland Golf Club, 12 years old. I was a hotshot golfer. I was a hotshot water skier. And, you know, it, it dives a little bit into all of that and, and into starting to drink and use. And, you know, that's kind of the first part of the book is, you know, all of that pain and suffering that happened. And then the last part of the book, really starts diving into my opening into yoga and how yoga helped me evolve, how yoga helped me forget about it, how yoga taught me how to don't worry about it, forget about it, just do the yoga. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm on the organic. I don't know a lot of these yoga terms. You know, I know a lot of the names of the yoga postures, you know, um, our friend, um, 
Jason, he didn't know the Sanskrit names. He could only he only knew the English names Aww. of the postures. But he was one of the most incredible teachers you could ever have. Aww. Right? I, I'm glad that we have that shared connection of knowing Jason. Jason yeah. was a yogi who had a studio in Laguna Beach and he just was special and just amazing and wow. Yeah. Wow. Remarkable. And he passed away just unexpected. For me, it was unexpected. I didn't yeah. know anything. And when I heard he passed, I I was, that was a tough one for me. It's hard when anyone we know passes, but I just remember thinking, wait, Jason, like, how could that be? You know, <laughs> like he was superhuman yeah. in some way, but He's teaching yoga to the gods now. He must be. <laughs> I really believe that. I think you're right. Yeah. I do. Yeah. He had that kind of aura about him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful man. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, wow. I mean, I, I, I've had a smile the whole time listening to you because <laughs> I, I didn't know we had this connection. And so I just, we, we, we met via a different platform and, um, and started, you know, with our correspondence, I just didn't even know. So once it dawned on me who I'm getting a chance to speak to, I can't believe it, Michael. This is so cool, man. Mm-hmm. I, I love this opportunity to connect with you because I loved your classes when you taught. And I just thought you brought like this, this like totally grounding energy uh, in, in a really difficult, challenging environment. So I just feel so lucky right now to get to talk to you. I love the fact that you're bringing up, I'm still here. I think that's yeah. really important. I mean, uh, whenever I'm going through a tough time and I can get into that space of really appreciating, like this might be my last day. If this is my yeah. last day, What's my daughter going to think of me? My son going to think of me? My wife going to think of me? What are you going to think of me, Michael? You know, like if this is my last day, <laughs> you know, I'm so glad I get a chance to like connect with you. I, we get a yeah, chance to connect exactly. here. And randomly, I didn't, didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't expect this. So I, I feel really, I do feel um, there's some serendipity going on in life right now. I mean, I know there's always serendipity, whether I can see it or not, but yeah. This opportunity personally to get to talk to you feels like, feels that. So, um, okay. Well on that note, where else can we go? <laughs> um, <laughs> what other angle is there out there that, well, I like the fact that you brought up, um, self-esteem issues because I had such a beautiful experience this morning and I, that I had that I feel I was teaching this morning and course, I'm not going to name names and, um, anyone local, uh, you know, I don't think she would mind if I bring this up, but when she came in the door and I just had that feeling of like, I just want to go over and just give a quick hug, you know, and I don't normally do that because I just figure, you know, just be professional or whatever. And so, um, and she opened up really quick about, I wasn't going to come because I have self-esteem issues. And I think that just self-esteem issues, you know? And I just said, Oh, please. It's, you know, that when you're here, that that's not an issue. Nobody, Mm -hmm. that's only you thinking that it's nobody else. You know what I mean? Like you are so welcome here to do whatever you need. And I'm definitely not thinking that what I'm thinking is I'm so proud of you because you're really working hard here, you know? And so, um, I think that that's an important, uh, 
element because I notice it myself when I get those negative mental patterns going of, you know, uh, just grinding myself down about my, my body, my body, you know, and how I feel about myself. And so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Can you share any more about that and what you do to keep the perspective fresh and, 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 um, healthy? Let me, I want to mention two different things, which is coming up for me right now. Um, the first one is like, at least within, you know, the big rooms, there's mirrors. And, you know, oftentimes students will come in and they'll stay in the back of the room because they don't want to get up front and see themselves. And that's okay. And that's the process that's happening. And over the years, I've seen these people move from the back of the room a little bit closer to a little bit closer to they want to be in the front of the room. And I see their lives change and I see what they wear in yoga changes from, you know, complete covering to hardly wearing anything, maybe a little too little sometimes. Um, (laughs) But just this. Yeah. That reflection in the mirror, that ability to see themselves for who they are and to love themselves, to have mm-hmm. that self-love. Yeah. And I went through that process. I didn't like myself. I hated myself. And I went from the back of the room to the front of the room. And it's so powerful when that happens because it's also reflected outside of the room in those people's lives, their relationships, their, their work, just who they are. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's a... Re- Yoga is really powerful that you don't need a mirror for that, a physical mirror. And it's, you know, that's been my primary teaching environment. Mm-hmm. Um, mirrors can be powerful, very powerful. Um, and then the other thing that, that I mentioned, you know, I've talked a lot about not being able to walk and having self-esteem and struggling and I'm not good enough. And, you know, that woman on a rollerblade is really good looking and she'll never like me because I can barely walk, you know, all those types of things. One of the things that I do with where I live, and I know that some of it has to do with some of those underlying issues for me, is I made a commitment earlier this year that I was going to hike up a butte a week. And I go out and mostly remote uh, butte very few of them have any trails on them. I'm an off-trails kind of guy, and I'll go, or I'll go with a buddy or two or something, and I'll go, and I'll climb up to the top of the view. So I'm breaking this idea that I'm not good enough just by being able to walk to say, hey, mm. I'm stronger, I can do this, I've made it to the top of another mountain, and I can see other mountains, and I can see the, the beauty of where I'm at, and it's just like, that practice is like a yoga practice going up a butte and, and every butte is different. And, yes. um, you know, it's been really powerful for me this year, you know, because self-esteem issues, I don't think they go away. I just think that we can make other attributes of ourselves more apparent. Right. Yeah. So like that, that self-esteem that I had on, you know, walking down the boardwalk in Santa Monica feeling as low as I could, to that's still there you know yeah the energy shifted it moved but that 
experience is still there. But today I can have these experiences that express my stronger self-esteem, my self-love, my confidence in myself, you know, in all those different things through my yoga practice, through hiking up a butte, through helping a, a child, you know, it could be all sorts of different things, knowing that I have spirit with me, not behind me, not next to me, not in front of me, but with me. And that that spirit is helping to guide me to be of the highest and best service I can. And when I recognize that, then I know I'm okay. Then I know that my self-esteem is lower, so to speak, than the spirit esteem. Mm. Excellent answer. Both of those are great. Oh, man. So everything's yoga. Everything is yoga. Especially, I know I, I want to go, I want to come out to Oregon and go climb some buttes. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's so many. I, I just, like, there's endless. It's just like, it's so beautiful every time out I get there. a one minute, I go, oh, I want to go in that one. And I like to look at Google Maps and try to figure out how to get there. You know, most of them are hard to get to. They're remote. You know, I'm watching a show on TV uh, called 1883, and it's, you know, this, they're, wow. they're going on the wagon trail across America, and they're headed for Oregon. And yeah, I, the it, Oregon Trail. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, man, what, a, what an experience to land there, I can imagine. That's cool that you're still there, and you're, you're loving it yeah. up, it sounds like. Yeah. You know, Michael, I, I just, I'm so thankful for this opportunity to talk, and I, I would, I would hope that we can do this again and I'm excited to release this episode and for everyone listening, please um, check out Michael's website and social media and you're going to see the links in the description below. Michael, is there anything else that you'd like to share bef- to, uh, as a parting, as a parting favor? No, <laughs> as a, as a, uh, <laughs> As a way of saying goodbye and hello. <laughs> what, what's coming up is what I've mentioned that I'm going to mention again. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just do your yoga. There we go. That's it. Yeah. Have a good life. You know? Love it. Yeah. And let's be all part of sharing our stories and you know, moving into an energy that's supportive and loving for all of us, even when we fall. Oh, that's amazing. I When you mentioned earlier that there's people that can get arrested for telling their story, that's a powerful idea. And I agree with you a hundred percent, like to, for this opportunity for us to share and to hear your story is just an amazing opportunity that maybe we're taking for granted we don't, maybe we don't realize that it's a, an option. It does take a little bit of guts to talk our story, but I'm really, uh, I feel like you're, you're blazing the trail here. I want to read your book. <laughs> where can we get, where can we get a hold of your book from? Well, uh, one of the things that I don't do it on all the shows I'm on, but if anybody goes to, and this will be in the links below too, is michaelbharris.com forward slash book b-o-o-k you won't find the link on the main page of the website that's a backlink but you can go to that link and download the book for free 
Very cool. Uh, so I invite anybody that wants to is to uh, get, download the book for free, and um, it's it's actually ten years since the book originally came out, and you know it's still relevant. You know, it's still selling a hundred copies a month or something like that. Nice. I was talking to my publisher the other day, and so it's still relevant, and it's it's amazing, and um, that's cool. It's still helping people. I guess I'm not through yet. You're not through yet. And uh, I'm excited that that hopefully everyone listening will check it out and and through this medium uh, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep spreading it around here. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, Michael. Thank well, you. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you an email here and stay in touch. And um, once again, thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Ty. All right. Take care. Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review, and join us next time. <laughs>